Hello everyone and welcome to episode 83 of the spoiler cast. I'm your host Tristan. This is strange and unusual, just go with it. And I am joined here today by Bera. Hey everybody. And joining us again after a long hiatus, which is unfortunate because dear god man, we want you on more of these casts, is is our good friend Carrie. He doesn't like you. I don't like you either. What are you talking about? We're wanted men. I have the death sentence on 12 systems. Don't listen to my friend. He's had too much to drink. Room. No bosses. No bosses. I love Gee. that we went all the way with this. Gee, Bubba, I just don't see how you can keep working without your drawing hand. But I'm ambidextrous. See? <laughs> one of my one of my favorite favorite uh, robot chicken Star Wars sketches. Classic. Classic. Um, And as a hint, if that didn't tip, if the title of this episode didn't tip you off, today we are talking about The Mandalorian, which has wrapped up its second season. And oh my god, I want to talk about that finale, but we will get to it. Because, mmm. The spoiler cast is us reviewing movies and video games and spoiling the crap out of them. Right. That's, so, that's why so, I assumed why it's called spoiler cast. I wasn't really sure like right. how much of it we're so, spoiling. So. All so, of it. Okay, if sure. you care about spoilers, <laughs> you have come to the wrong place. Yeah. Hopefully you've seen all of The Mandalorian by now. We're probably going to like spoil all of Star Wars too hardcore. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, haven't seen be... the, I haven't seen the Clone Wars TV show, so if it's possible not to spoil that, that'd be great. But I've yeah. not seen the Clone Wars TV show either, even though... Oh. Okay, this, there, yeah. there there will be minor spoilers for the Clone Wars TV show because we have to talk about the Darksaber and that's where it makes an appearance. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to talk about the finale because uh, uh, I will... Spoiler for the spoiler cast. I, I, I did yeah. not care for it, actually. <gasps> yeah. I actually think that... Um, uh, the finale. I actually think that the finale was um, pro was like it's. I mean, there's there's a the Mandalorian is okay in general, yes. but I felt like that the finale didn't really. It kind of like took the star. It, it didn't really add much to the overall development, and uh, I did not like. Uh, I did not like what it did with Luke Skywalker. I actually felt that it uh, oh. that it regressed him in a way that was uh, that like Luke was Luke did something that he'd never Arrow. done in any of the other previous canon things, and uh, I don't know. I kind of felt it was a bit bullshit because I like my Arrow. Luke separate from the Jedi, who the rest of the Jedi were actually pretty crap. That's the very terribly created. But the sequels were awful. I mean, the Barra? prequel. I mean, the prequels were awful. But let me Barra? finish on this. The prequels were awful. The prequels Barra, were awful, but they had a good message, and that's the Jedi sucked. There's some shows where like the first season will just generally be definitively the best, and others where they kind of ease into it. I mean, for instance, I'm a huge fan of the television show Luther. Uh, I think uh, Luther's I'm great. I also yeah. think the first season of Luther is the best season of Luther. Nice. Um, it just all was wonderful, etc. He's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then you, and then you have things like Babylon Five, which gets tremendously better after the fifth season, after the first season, uh, because they hire a way more competent actors, 
and actually start developing the actors they keep into well, actual characters. Yeah. Yeah. Or and then you also oh. get Buffy, which I would argue Buffy's prime seasons. Like I'm a, I like its first season. I like that its first season was designed to be a self-contained thing where if it was canceled, um, it right. could have just ended there. But um, I think the prime of Buffy is season two and season three. Um, although, yeah. I'm, I'm, my gosh, mwah, Chef's Kiss season six. Like, yeah. Yeah. Evil it, Willow. So, <laughs> good. Anyway. I, I, still have to, I still have to see Buffy, but I mean, you, I guess... You've not, you haven't seen Buffy, my man? No. I oh, if, you're if missing only out, there so was a decent way to watch it. I thought it was that, on Netflix. If, I think it still is. I'm. I'm actually. Yes, I'm watching so many. The, I'm watching so many the, TV shows, but I'm kind of taking a break because it's well, giving me the, too much anxiety. Fair That's enough. the problem, <laughs> though. But <laughs> the problem with it on Netflix is that it's the god awful HD like HD treatment, uh, where they didn't crop it for four by three, and didn't do any color balancing whatsoever. So there are yeah. scenes where you can literally see the crew in the corner. Oops. And scenes that are supposed to take place at night be- are very obviously sh- shot in the day because they didn't do day for night color correction when they upscaled the original footage. Wow. Uh, oh boy. Well, yeah. uh, yeah. DVD box sets, boys. DVD, DVD box, box sets, sets yeah. are the way to go for that show. Yes, get the, get the full experience on the widescreen uh, format. But, um, oh, Bear, just really quickly, I just wanted to piggyback off of what you said about the, um, the finale of season two. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was just okay. I mean, I do agree, like, when I saw Luke, it was cool, but I wasn't really, like, foaming in the mouth with, like, nerdiness. I was like, alright, this is cool. This is okay. It's not, you know, it's not right, the so best we- thing I've seen. Uh, I think season one has, like, a much better finale and a much more emotionally satisfying... I mean, we can talk about that when we get into it, but, oh, yeah. you know. But, yeah, so, yeah, right, so, so without further ado, let's get into it. So, uh, yes. guys, what is The Mandalorian? So, The Mandalorian is a Disney Plus exclusive TV show, uh, helmed by Jon Favreau, with input from Dave Filoni, um, and it takes place between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. And it follows our titular character, a Mandalorian bounty hunter, named Mondo, because he's the Mandalorian. And that's just what everyone calls him. I don't think we've actually gotten his true name yet. Nope. I don't think so. No. Um, it is... In terms of sort of genre... Okay. Think... Think it is a space spaghetti western. And just like the original spaghetti westerns, it takes really heavy influence from the Japanese cinema before it and if I had to liken it to anything this is Star Wars Lone Wolf and Cub yes yes, yep. yes. agreed you hit the nail on uh, the head yeah just boof. like now if that's what you want awesome yeah if you are expecting more than that especially for the first season you're gonna be a little disappointed um, the, I will say though I think one of the biggest issues this the show has is that it is constantly building like it's it's it feels like it's building to something all the time 
And I feel like we got a little bit of payoff at the end there. Um, but they keep hinting at, hey, no, no. We got more to go. Um, it, it, it doesn't bother me that much. Right. Um, only because, like, I actually enjoy, just to piggyback on what Tristan said, you know, it's very much you have a, a samurai, a lone wolf and cub meets uh, Yojimbo with Man mm-hmm. With No Name trilogy thrown in there in space. And I think one of the things I like about the show Um, which I think is uh, split audiences, if I'm not mistaken, is that it doesn't really cater to an ongoing storyline through every episode. You don't get, like, a strong narrative thread. Like, I think they hint at it, but it's more just kind of, like, about a lone wolf going on these different quests to get to the goal, but they're also kind of, like, I don't want to say side quests, but it's just, like, each episode (laughs) is is its own adventure. But I love that about the show. And I kind of feel like, because, I mean, we we grew up, you know, like, there's an era of the 90s where you have these sitcoms that are just more episodic than, like, following one narrative, like, storyline through a Mm -hmm. whole season. Whereas now I feel like, you know, with the shows coming out, like, you know, we have, it's it's very much about that. But I actually like the whole, I like how every episode is different from each other. Mm -hmm. Well, and we got, so we kind of got the hint of that in... In the the '90s and the aughts, the late mid to late '90s and the aughts, with stuff like X Files, uh, Supernatural, I think did it really well. Where you can have episodes that stand on their own. Not Star Trek Next Generation too. Yeah, not Great. not connected to the big plot, but with threads of the big plot still running through it. Yeah, you yes. know. So I would. Uh, so I think. The main issue that I have with The Mandalorian is that The Mandalorian is solid and fun. Yeah. Uh, but I, it definitely does feel a lot like a video game in terms of, like, just, you know, like, it, it just in terms of, like, how, okay, we're going to do this because of X and this because of X. And, like, there isn't a lot of connective tissue. But um, at the same time, the thing that would bother me more about is unless that it doesn't have, like, the as much strong, like, overall arcage, like, you're expecting in new <laughs> modern prestige television, like, you know, like, if it was more like the next generation, where there's a lot of just random standalone things, and then, like, a few things that maybe hint towards a big finale, that's fine. Yeah. Except, next gen lives and dies and is amazing based off its characters. And mm-hmm. its characters have pretty good solid characterization and, uh, well, and now, can I just first... say I've only watched... Uh, I'm up to season three, so I haven't seen all of it yet. Well, it's fine. Um, well, you, but you, that, you've gone fine. past the first season, though. So yes. Riker has the beard now, and he's an actual character. But the thing, though, <laughs> is, is that, like, uh, in The Mandalorian, his the, the guy's characterization is... The Mandalorian's characterization is very, very uneven. Like, for instance, the guy straight up murders a bunch of Jawas who are clearly <laughs> for just stealing his stuff. And yet, at the same time, when there is, like, a few episodes later, when he's faced with hardened criminals that uh, tried to, uh, that betrayed him, killed a guy, and then tried to uh, leave him to rot in a Republic prison cell, he proceeds to not kill them, but instead throw them in said cell. Um, again, there's, like, and there's also just, like, weird editing, and we'll get to the other things later, but it's, like, him as a kid, what the Mandalorian believes and what the people around him, but uh, and 
what drives him and what motivates him. Uh, even, like, the big thing, like, the kid. Like, you're thinking, okay, well, he's a foundling. And so he's going to bond with this other foundling. Except, and then he's going, and that's the overall arc of it. Except, there's, like, the first two, the, the, the first two episodes, three episodes even, he's okay with, like, giving this child to human traffickers. Uh, <laughs> yes. So it's, there is... So I just wish that there had been a more clear thread of who this man is and how he is evolving. And it didn't necessarily have to be, like, all this overplot around that. But there's just more about who he is and was about... Like, for instance, and it could have been just as simple as he doesn't... He finds out as a kid, it's a kid, and then he doesn't take it back to the Imperials. Um, so, so yeah, it's like, that's a... So the characterization... that that. That inconsistency in characterization is, um, there's a lot, this is a show where Barrow? there's a lot of turn off your oh. brain. But anyways. Yeah, sorry about that, Barry. You, you cut out mm-hmm. there for a little bit, but I think you got back, came back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely, it, it definitely takes a while, I think, to sort of find its feet mm-hmm. and settle down. And there are definitely I've, some episodes that are kind of like throwaway episodes. Um... And a few that that are kind of like, um, which, which one was it? It's the one where he goes to Tatooine, and he goes to Moss Eisley, and he's in the cantina, and he's sitting in the booth where Han shot Greedo, and it's <laughs> like, okay, that's a little much. You're pushing it a little hard. Of course, I'm a total hypocrite on that um, front. Because, um, holy crap, season two um, made the 90s Star Wars fan in me just absolutely giddy. So, so what are the things that yes. you... Uh, so what are the things that made you... What are the things that made you giddy about season two that you really liked? So, so, as, so as someone who grew up as a Star Wars fan in the 90s, mm. Star Wars in the 90s had a very distinct sort of aesthetic and tone to it. And I didn't even... I didn't... I'm not even as bad as some other people. Like, like I never read the Dark Horse comics. I, I mainly read the books and played games. Um, so, and even then, I didn't read all the books. I read the Thrawn trilogy. I've read uh, the X-Wing series because that series is awesome. Um... I Jedi, which basically has Jedi Batman in it. Nice. Like he, he legit has a secret identity and everything. It's great. Um, it's all like the book is not very good, but it's he's Jedi Batman. You just kind of have to love it. Um, uh, True Sepakura, like, like there's a whole bunch of stuff, other stuff out there that came afterwards that I didn't read, but there was yeah. a very specific aesthetic to it and. The second season really nails that tone and aesthetic. Like, not only in terms of, like, set design and costuming and sound design, but, like, um... So, so... Well, so, alright, so, for example, on the, the stuff that it does nail it on. So that episode uh, where he's helping the frog woman try and get back to her planet, and the two X-Wing pilots showed up... Oh, yeah, yeah. I was so happy... That they had retro style haircuts and and mustaches. 
So I like. There, there's a little bit of that in Star Wars too. I think um, Luke's friends had some of that hardcore '70s mustache shit. Oh, they totally did, <laughs> and I so, was so happy to see it on the pilots. I'm like, yeah. these are old, these are old rebellion guys who have gone legit. Gotta support the facial hair, the the space hair, I right? Think. So <laughs> I think so. There's a lot that I, that I enjoyed about that episode, but um, one thing that just didn't necessarily make sense. To me, like there, there's there are a few things in where it's just like again, I think you have a lot more. F- I, I would have a lot more fun with the show if I just turned off my brain, and I'll get to why it's a little harder for me to just turn off my brain with this or with Star Wars in general. Um, yeah, but uh, like you know, in terms of a uh, Truth Brennan, it's like they, the the public the pilots go in, they save them from the weird spider creatures, and then. He's like, hey, mind helping us out? And he's like, ah, maybe just fix your transponder. Then they fly away, which is cool, except, like, there's every indication that there's a chance that these guys are going to die unless they get support. So, like, why why even bother just, like, saving them if you're going to just, like, fly off? It's just, like, it's a bit of, it was a bit of, like, a hole where it's just, like, if you just go with it, it's like, okay, it's a cool line. Um, <laughs> that's fine. But, uh... If you don't, then there can be go. Then there's so, um, there's there there can be issues with it. Which th- there's a number of other things. That, like the biggest thing for me was uh, you know, the season one where he's going to give Baby Yoda back to the Imperials who hired him to get him, to and Werner then he Herzog. changes his mind to Werner Herzog, rescues him, <laughs> then he's pinned down, and then all the Mandalorians show up, and it's just like, yeah. how do the Mandalorians know he's here? We don't even no, see no, him no, like make a distress there's call. There's a I think they, they they settled that in the I don't I don't remember what I don't remember the episode but I, so, I'm pretty so the sure they patched that up. Yeah. So the reason he keeps coming back to that planet for his guild levies is because mm-hmm. that's where the holdout is. Right. That's where the Mandalorian. But how do the, the how do the people in the holdout know that he's pinned down? We don't see him make any kind of indication of that. And that's, like, they have they have helmets with multiple communicators. That's the sort of thing that I'm willing to. Like we don't need to see that, necessarily. But um, also, why are I, I mean? I guess you see that they do it. I guess to to save him. But it's still like this. So, but it's also it's like oh, you know, save the kid. Except they were seem to be pretty okay with him giving out like you know, selling this kid into slavery beforehand, or at least they didn't know about it. Uh, terribly, they didn't know about it. It's like there's it, there's just little things where it's like um. You could well. There's little things that like that kind of like can knock you out of it unless you're like, okay, just gonna gonna roll with it. Maybe but, Mando's sending an example for the other uh, Mandalorians to follow. He's just being a badass and saving Baby Yoda now. They're you know following well, in his footsteps of goodness or something. Well, but also you have to remember that again. This is like built off of the spaghetti westerns, which are built off of the old samurai stories. So like when he took the job, he he was bound to complete the job which he did once the job is complete and he has fulfilled that obligation however he's then free to do what he whatever he wants hey. he did the job he got paid and now he can yeah. do the right thing hey. i mean i mean now i mean like obviously halfway through when he realized like what he his bounty was and you know i get it's sort of like an interesting character arc where he sees what he's doing and now He's developing these emotional peaks and valleys, and then he decides to rescue Baby Yoda instead of just like giving him to Werner Herzog. 
And, like, I mean, to me, that's what I like about the character, is you're kind of seeing a, a shift, a, ch- a change in sort of where his morals are. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a journey of self-discovery and growth for everyone involved. Um, I love season one so much. I, I actually liked it a little bit more than season two. I think mainly because I kind of felt like season one had a a really strong relationship. I, I, for, is it is it Gorgu? Is that his name? I, I keep forgetting. Grogu. Just call him Grogu, Baby Yoda. Sorry. I'm just going to call him Baby call Yoda. Just call him Baby Yoda. I'm just going to call him Baby Yoda. So we, I think we the relationship... We recognize the rela- that the council has made a decision yeah. and has named him Baby Grogu. The council But considering approved. it's a stupid-ass decision, we've decided to ignore it. The council's approved. And <laughs> I felt... I mean... First of all, babe, we can't we can't ignore the fact that Baby Yoda is the most adorable thing in television in the history of mankind. Second of all, there's a really strong relationship that's developing between Mando and Baby Yoda. So to the so much that like even when Baby Yoda's not in any of the episodes, you know, you know that like you know he, he could be in danger. And I mean, there it was just I, I I felt more of that in season one and two, and I'm not sure why, but maybe it was because I didn't really know what to expect from the show that the stakes were high and anything could happen. But I felt like something wasn't quite emotionally there in season two. That like when, by the time you got to the end, I mean it was still kind of. So I mean we'll we'll brush up on that later. But like when the when the thing happened, I was you know I was sad, but I was like not as sad as I could have been. Um, there, yeah. There is there is also a fan theory that I will put forward in a little bit. And I'd like to get your input on. Is Baby Yoda Luke's son? No. Damn it. No. Uh, all right, let's just do it now. Let's just do it now because we're talking about character growth and um, motivations. Yeah. So there is a theory uh, that the reason why Mandalor- the Mandalorian becomes attached to Grogu is because Grogu is basically mind-tricking him. Yeah. Just little bits here and there to uh. make sure that the Mandalorian is extra attached to him. I can't accept that. Look at those little cute eyes. I can't accept that. I can't. <laughs> like, it's a really kind of dark uh, fan That's theory. That's the dumbest fan-, fan theory I've ever heard and of. I'm like, but I'm like, it would explain some of his character inconsistencies. That he's, <sighs> being, that he's being influenced by an outside source. That, Maybe that... the inconsistencies were due to the mitochlorian in the air. <laughs> There was something. Should I should I not troll night. the should I not troll the podcast with um the that trilogy references? I'm, you can, you can, uh, this is a this is a safe space. Okay. You can troll with whatever you want, Carrie. <laughs> Thank you, Vera. I appreciate that. No problem. <laughs> oh man. And let's not get started about the Gungans. I'm I'm kidding. Go, what were you saying, Tristan? Anyway, um, <laughs> but it, I it's, it's kind of this just really dark little fan theory that explains away some of the character inconsistencies and it's like because remember the mind trick is a thing and as we learn as we learn which i was like that eh, eh, that doesn't really fit uh, we eventually learned the yeah. group that baby yoda was at the temple and was starting to be trained which means he somehow survived order 66 and i'm like That that seems a little sticky to me, like trying to fit that into like the history and stuff. Yeah, that that seemed a little I, tricky to me. 
I, I would just like I mean if that if that were an actual thing I'd just not watch just watch the show like there's right. just like the whole show is just kind of built on the relationship of those, of those two characters so yeah, it's no. just like it's got it's to the point where it's just so iconic that you cannot see the two of them separate at all you know? now if you had told me that say like maybe baby Yoda was like an infant in the nursery at the at the Jedi temple or something. And, like, you know, some Jedi died, like, trying to get him out of the temple or something. With, like, maybe a bunch of other infants. That I could see. And that would also be, like, mm. like really in keeping with the old Star Wars sort of tone. Um, there's also uh, one other thing that I, I should probably mention here regarding the old Star Wars canon. Um, that... Mm to me is like it's something that that unfortunately does not get a lot of attention drawn to it but it was kind of a big moment in the old canon uh before disney came and changed all that right. um in the in the old canon and to understand sort of luke as he is after return of the jedi um there there's a a scene in the old canon after Return of the Jedi, where Luke is having sort of a, a crisis of faith, after he yeah. finds, um, I, th I think it's after he finds the Jedi Holocron and realizes just how much knowledge and like history and everything the Jedi had built up, and he's having this sort of crisis of how can I possibly, possibly live up to this? And in yeah. this scene, um, Obi-Wan's force ghost appears to him one last time and tells Luke, don't try to be the last of the old. Be the first of the new. Don't try and follow in the Jedi's footsteps because their path led to ruin. Yeah. Like, like lead as you want to don't be held up by the old ideals you know because um, in the old canon Luke starts up a an academy on actually on Yavin which ends up very going very poorly for him right. and, and starts training a whole bunch of new Jedi and and he, he's very in his old his training style on the old one is very very you know be really careful of the dark side because it's really powerful and will f you up and can ruin everything. But he also stresses the importance of having connections with the force, with, no, with people, people with and people. things. That yeah. it's important to care about things. Yeah. Which is what the old Jedi were like. No, attachments are bad. Right. Emotions. Emotions are terrible. They'll lead you down the dark side. Luke is like, no, no, no. You have to recognize, like, good emotions and bad emotions and where they come from. But it's also really important to have people and things you care about. Because that leaves you invested and connected to the universe. Um, and I really hope... <laughs> I really mm -hmm. hope that we actually get to see some of Luke actually being a trainer and being a teacher. Which is something we didn't get basically at all in that, that, the Disney stuff. 
Um, but that would be very interesting to see, but, like... It'll be I very should... hard to do. Yeah, it's like... I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to go into like what I hated about seven, eight, nine, but and how Luke became a hermit and how it's sort of a thing now that Jedi's all become hermits. But like, I, it would be interesting to see a show of, of Luke teaching like the new generation of Jedi. Right. That was um, one of the things we had yeah. back in the nineties. Yeah. And it was so cool because you had, like, you had these characters discovering the Force abilities. They're going through their own personal like journeys through the Force. Um. Uh, one of the, one of the recurring characters uh, actually is a member of Rogue Squadron, uh, oh. who <laughs> discovers that his grandfather uh, was a was a Padawan when Order sixty six hit, but survived because he was with his great grandfather on uh, on Corellia, and then basically shut himself off from the Force and became a cop. Mm. Interesting. Wow. Like, and, <laughs> and and finds like it. Horn is Horn is a really really neat character from the old canon. I wish he came back. Um, yeah. One thing. One thing. I was so glad. So, getting into season two. Yes. I could not believe. They brought back the Dark Troopers. Which, uh, so, so, who were they again? Those Which were those, those were those cybernetic, the, the droid stormtroopers. Oh, dear God, yeah. Do you know where those are from? Hell. No, those are from the game Dark Forces. Oh. Which was wow. the, which was the Star Wars game built in the Doom engine. Oh, shit. They made... <laughs> Dark Forces can it. And I'm just like Yeah. And I'm just like, I played I fought these things as a child and they're back. And they're just <laughs> as terrifying as they should be. <laughs> if only I could warn Mando what he's into in for. <laughs> like, but I'm, oh God. I'm separated by a selling a, a screen and fit in non-fiction life. Well, but and then so yeah. when they so when they brought the Dark Troopers back, I was like, Yeah. If they if they just made Dark Forces canon. Does that mean we're going to get Kyle motherfucking Katarn back? A.K.A. Star Wars Doom Guy? The guy who, if he was still in canon, would have turned Rogue One into a five-minute long, like, mini-movie? Is he that bad? No, no. So, in Dark Forces, you play as Kyle Katarn, a mercenary sort of, you know, lending his services out to the Rebellion. The first level of Dark Forces is Kyle stealing the Death Star plans. Yeah, which he accomplishes in five minutes and basically guns down an entire an entire base of stormtroopers. Damn, um, it it That's literally awesome. it's like a five minute mission. It's cool, got the Death Star plans. Going back to don't want to go to Slay Organa to drop them That's, off. That's the end of that chapter. Yeah, um, so so when the X Wing showed up at the end of season two, I was like, okay. I think I know who this is, but we've also just made Dark Forces canon. This yeah. could be Kyle motherfucking Katarn. <laughs> and while it wasn't Kyle motherfucking Katarn, it was 
just as good. But we'll we'll get yes. we'll save that ending because Can I can I interject on something go. really quickly? Go go. Um I'm just speaking as a filmmaker who loves the show, but I'm really glad that George Lucas and John Favreau and Dave Filoni, 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 Filoni. I, I'm just really glad they were able to create something Star Warsy that all Star Wars fans can enjoy, yes. instead of like us being like ripped apart by just the inconsistencies and like you know why Mitochlorians, why Jar Jar, why this, why that. This was good. No, it wasn't. It sucked. You know, like because there's always it's kind of like as a Star Wars fan, I feel like whenever I see a movie or, or or if i if you know when a movie's coming out i know i'm gonna have a discussion with friends of mine about something that we both disagree mm-hmm. with or it could even even go into like you know why the pod racer scene was great versus why it sucked or something like you know you're always bracing yourself for that star wars conversation with your super nerdy smart friends Basically and it's just for- like i don't i'm not prepared for this and i gotta actually write down my case like a fucking court case and then right. like be ready to like state my case for this bullshit and it's been going on since 19 fucking 99. And now I'm just glad that we have a show that we can bring us all together, that we can talk about and geek about and say, hey, this is great. And it's part of the canon. And like, just, you know, it's like, it's Mandalorian okay. is kind of like a, a, a beaconing light at the end of a dark right? city tunnel. And, and, and you know what yes. the, the secret in that is? What's that? The secret in that is that um, John Favreau and Dave Filoni Oh yeah, are both Star Wars fans? Yeah, from long ago. They're like our yeah. age and grew up like as Star Wars fans in the nineties. Yeah. Um, and I I've always said the biggest sin, the biggest sin Disney committed with the new trilogy, like Was okay. making it. <laughs> well, so Sorry, so I understand time. resetting canon. Like, like it sucks, but I get where they're coming from. Because they want the freedom to not have to follow all of the stuff that was written beforehand. Because there's, like, 50 years of writing. You know? Yeah. So I can see that. I, I, I'm, i like, I'm saddened to lose this stuff as part of official canon. But I understand where it comes from. The biggest sin I've okay. always said that Disney has committed here is not doing what they did with Marvel. Which is... <laughs> no, no. Which is cherry-picking the best parts from the old stuff and bringing them forward because mm. the Marvel the Marvel Cinematic Universe doesn't exactly follow the comics not at all yeah. not at all but it takes the the themes the characters the the specific moments that people remember and love from the comics and bring them back in kind of new updated ways the fact that they didn't do that with Star Wars is in my mind the biggest sin. But that's where John John Favreau has come in. Yes. Uh, John Favreau has brought back a lot of things from the old canon, more than anyone else, really. Yeah. Um, I love it. He's the one who put Thrawn into Star Wars Rebels. And Thrawn is like God, I, I, they, they bring him up in Mandalorian, and I really hope he shows up, because Thrawn is easily the single most dangerous Imperial leader in the canon. He's because is he in the he's in the video game. Sorry, I'm like I'm I'm totally not familiar with the canon as much as you, Tris. So so so. <laughs> 
so Grand Admiral Thrawn yeah um, is basically only a Grand Admiral and not and basically and didn't get Tarkin's job because he's not human and the Empire were super racist against non-humans yep um basically he is a tactical genius and researches his opponents not only their personal history but their backgrounds their their species their species culture where the, like what each person's history where they've been has been and uses that to not only plan out what someone is going to do but what that but what his enemies are subconsciously going to do as well Wow, he uses That's their scary. own. He uses his enemies' culture, knowledge, and histories against them. Wow, yeah. That's kind of that's frightening as fuck. Yeah, yeah. That's like someone who wants to learn the ways of your culture and then turn it against you. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be the worst thing ever. Um. Like, like <laughs> he's a sort who will look at someone and go, his culture. His culture is very heavily steeped in their mythology, and their mythology focuses a lot on heroic last stands. So this enemy is far more likely to make a fight of it to the bitter end than someone else. Oh my gosh. Even if they don't consciously know that that's influencing their decision making. My mind is a pretzel right now. Yeah. It's... And so, so they brought Thrawn back in Rebels. And they've mentioned him in Mandalorian. And I think he's what the Mandalorian is building to. No, it seems like a pretty good case. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I mean, I will, say, I will say this. And that uh, I personally, like, you know, I... In terms of, like, the Disney movies and what came after, uh, I really... I enjoyed... I enjoyed Seven, as in, like, I like The Force Awakens... It was definitely a retread of, um, of you know, the original Star Wars, but yeah. it felt great. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, as I've said before on this cast, like, you know, I adore The Last Jedi. Um, I think it's probably, I think that, and I adore the opportunity that it gave basically to get away from uh, this obsession with lineage and the Skywalkers and, and uh, like, pretty much all the decisions that were made in that script, um, I would stand by and I enjoyed. The problem that I... And then, uh, the, unfortunately, though, like, there was just a lot of nitpicking from people about things, which in many ways I didn't feel like was a nitpick. Like, you know, you might not like of going to Cantabite, but it is perfectly explained within the story. And, so, and I felt that that contributed to then J.J. Abrams basically making this terrible third movie, which nobody uh... liked. Where it was basically like retcon the movie, plus a lot of really weird, weird crazy stuff, and like so, I just feel like the, that um, I guess that experience is kind of I, I if if I was just if I hadn't seen that experience of like really enjoying a movie and then basically seeing a backlash that then basically makes people make a really bad third movie, I think I'd enjoy The Mandalorian a lot more. Because the Mandalorian is an excellent movie, but it has far more inconsistencies than the than the Last Jedi script to the, to the point where there's like certain timing things. Like for instance, uh, when like the guy mm-hmm. is like a she, the gunfight in the fir- not the gunfight on the the dogfight in the first in the first season where he like blows up the person who is uh, who uses that line. I can bring you in warm or cold. 
like he uh mm-hmm. it, and then it's just like it's a uh, the, it, yeah, it, it's just like the the, 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 the the sequence is off in terms of like yeah like he can't he shouldn't be screaming while while things are it was just like it was like this is there is time like there's just a number of like basic editing problems in the Mandalorian which if people hadn't been like nitpicking around like oh the holdo maneuver makes no sense then I would have less problems about this is a fun show with editing problems but it's just more just like. <laughs> <sighs> no, no, like like I, I like I said, there are definitely some throwaway, some throwaway episodes. But also, yeah, there are some el- moments that are just kind of like, like that that whole that whole bit you talked about that dogfight. Yeah, doesn't really fit into the episode. Which episode was this? Sorry, it's like um, it was a season. Was it episode? It was, one se- it was a season. It, it was a season, season one episode. One. I want to um, say it was like I want to say it was like four or five. But I'm the like, fact I'm... that we can't remember which episode this right. dogfight was attached to really does show that it was basically there so he could use that cool line, that's my line, and then take take the bounty hunter out. Yeah. Um, and then there's that part in in the second season where they are infiltrating uh, they're infiltrating the Imperial Garrison. I'm, I'm getting some sound. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, uh, it, uh, can you hear it good now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, sure. Like there's an episode in the second season where they are infiltrating the Imperial base. I'm about to sneeze. Hold on. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh oh. Uh oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't have full bore. Na- I don't have sneezes. I have full bore nasal explosions. Um, okay. But there's that episode in the second season where they are infiltrating the Imperial base, and Man- and Mando has to access a terminal. To get locational data, and it has a like a facial ID scan, and it's like oh yes, but it's like so so he has to take off his helmet, which is like a big oh no, and then but then like the facial recognition scan is just like yep that's a face, like it doesn't check against anything, it doesn't check against like the records of any of the troops stationed there and go hey I don't know your face. It's just, yes, you have a face that isn't a Stormtrooper helmet. Here you go. Yes, but, I mean, <laughs> then again, the Stormtroopers have the worst name in the galaxy, so I just suspended my disbelief in that. <laughs> so I, I okay. guess I love the show so okay. much. I suspended, I suspended my disbelief in so many things, so, which I kind of just overlooked. But, so so uh, we, we, gotta, we gotta put this to bed. We gotta put this to bed. Stormtrooper a- accuracy. <laughs> Stormtroopers are not... Terrible shots. There is one instance yes. where we yeah. see them being awful shots. And that is yeah. in season, A New Hope on the Death Star. Where it's like, oh, why aren't they hitting Luke and Leia? Oh, these stormtroopers are such terrible shots. It's like, have you forgotten that these stormtroopers were specifically instructed by Darth Vader not to kill them? So they could escape on the Falcon. So they could track the Falcon back to Rebel Headquarters. Yeah, they were good enough shots to win the Battle of Hoth. They were good enough shots to win the Battle of Hoth. They are... Earlier in Episode 1, Obi-Wan acknowledges their accuracy with with taking out a Sandcrawler with several well-placed shots. And throughout the rest of canon, stormtroopers are terrifying combatants. 
Like I, I would assume Darth Vader, like when he was recruiting stormtroopers for Hoth, he was just like, okay, I'm taking my guests, my best guys, uh, Bob Harris and Frank, come with me, uh, and the rest of you, uh, stay where you are. I know you're not the best shot. Just you know, just play it by ear. If the Imperials, if if the rebels come, you know, you know what to do. Just pull the trigger. Yeah. Boss, what about the gun? No, 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 it's fine. The guns are kind of inaccurate. I mean, we tested it out. No, no, guys, guys, come on. Just do as I say. I'm, I'm just like, making it my own canon like, at this point. Even, but. even, on, even at the Battle of Endor, yes. a stormtrooper manages to snipe R2 when R2 is trying to hack the door Yeah. in a culvert with two people covering him. <laughs> and this stormtrooper manages to pop up and nail him. To stop him from hacking into the door and breaching the door. Like, that's a really good shot! Yes. <laughs> and they have awful helmets on! Yeah. Hey, it's, uh, space are actually... <laughs> it's Space Pop Entertainment. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. I really like the episode where two stormtroopers are just chilling and they're, ta- and they're got... trying to shoot something, but, like, the guns are just <laughs> malfunctioning. <laughs> I got such red versus blue vibes from that. Oh, dude, me too! I was like, this is this is red versus blue stormtrooper edition. Seriously. It's, you ever wonder why we're here? <laughs> I mean, it's one of life's great mysteries, isn't it? Hey, Griff, trooper thingy, how about that? <laughs> hey, we got the stormtrooper outfit on. You think you can shoot that rock? Griff, you missed. You're a fuck up. A first class fuck up. <laughs> uh, also, also, uh, also. Bear, have you seen Red versus Blue? Mm-mm. Oh, it's so good. James so Rooster Teeth is. I mean, maybe uh, like a few episodes when, a, a little bit when I was in high school, but uh. Yeah. No, I yeah. n- never, n- not in a while. Tr- Tris um, and I would like quote it like nonstop in Hampshire. Hampshire's nice. the college we went to, went to in case uh, you fans yeah, don't know what this we're is talking the, about. This is the all and, Hampshire alum <laughs> episode. It's true. And, and yes. And like one, um, I think one afternoon I was just like, Tris, I'm going to watch, I'm going to binge the whole, the whole series. And I locked myself in my room for, for two days and I watched the whole thing. And then we like quoted it for the rest of our lives. Oh, that's great. Anyway, yes, I'm getting off topic. Sorry. So also, so also, fun fact: uh, during that, during the uh, last episode of season one, dur- that big shootout. So, a little fun fact: um, they couldn't actually get enough suits of stormtrooper armor <laughs> for all of their extras. Oh. That, like they didn't have enough sets of stormtrooper armor on hand, uh, so a whole bunch of the stormtroopers in that final scene are actually members of the five hundred and first. Which, for those of you who don't know, oh, yeah. Yeah. are the official stormtrooper, like, like cosplay, like, like they are they are the guys. Um, they frequently yeah. do appearances, events, charity events, stuff like that. They're they're basically like really hardcore Civil War reenactors, but for Star Wars. And so a whole bunch of them got to be on the Mandalorian because they didn't have enough sets of armor for their actual crew. Uh, Can I just say I really love the filmmaking on the show and that oh like, my they God. hired some brilliant directors. Like, okay, Taiko fucking Watiti yeah. doing, ep- doing episode 10, that was like one of the best, that was the most well-directed anything I've ever seen, oh, like so television good. television shows. Like, 
And Taika is a guy, as a filmmaker, I'm a huge fan of and I've followed since um, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. I mean, I've, I watched all of his movies ever since then, but I, I just want to say I like that. It seems like he he just took on a completely different tone and style of humor and just, like, an atmosphere mm-hmm. that I appreciated. Because, like, season... Because episode 10 of season 1 was, like, really pulled at my heartstrings. Like, I was feeling those peaks and valleys, and even, like... I think the moment when, like, Mando finally took his helmet off, I was, like, I was hyperventilating. It was, like, so exciting, right. but I'm just like, oh, my God, we're finally going to get to see his face, and it's, like, this, the super, like, Pedro Pascal is a great actor, obviously, but he's so super expressive that, like, when you look into his eyes, I feel so bad for him. Right. Like, it feels like there's, like, so much pain and misery and, like, demons, like, underneath that face that I had trouble just kind of, like registering the, that sexy sexy guy <laughs> is just like going through like i mean so much shit but i mean it's just like i mean i mean i mean i'm, I'm going off topic here but like i mean i just i love the filmmaking i feel like some i feel like some episodes of um the mandalorian are more are better directed than others definitely but i like i'm just like big, the, big the episode props. in the village you have Bryce Dallas Howard, who only did a documentary, yeah. and now she's doing the fucking Mandalorian. Like, really? Yeah. That's your second gig? I know why she got it, because it's Ron, because, ha- you know, her father is, like, a famous motherfucker, but, yeah, a great, a great motherfucker, but, like, you know, I'm looking at this episode, and I actually want to say this, I what really- What a glow up. I loved that, that, that episode had some really mm-hmm. strong- homages to seven samurai and just like oh yeah old that, that was the seven Sa- that was the seven samurai episode that was the seven samurai which one episode. was the seven samurai episode it uh, was so- uh i'm on imdb was this episode five they're were, they're were at a village and they had to protect they had to protect the, protect the village from like imperial from an imperial army oh right yeah from these warlords with the ata it was and it was a very it was a good episode i liked it but it was like I don't know. I mean, also as a filmmaker, I wish I, I my lifelong dream is to work on the show, and like I would have totally like been oh, all yeah. over that like that Seven Samurai episode because it was just I just you know there was you know you you meet the 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 the, the woman who like Manda kind of struck up a relationship with, and like she challenges him about why he can't take the mask off, and Mando kind of feeling that sense of like oh my god you know there's goodness in the world and there's mm-hmm. these people who like are kind to me like. Oh god, such a great episode. Also, like, also, can we give yeah. can we give huge props? Can we give huge props to um, actually casting a diverse cast yes. for the Mandalorian? Yes, like yes, like thank you, God. Yes, also, Carl Weathers, Carl, Carl Weathers. Weathers. Oh my god, Creed. Carl Weathers! It's so good to see yeah. him like kick ass again. Yes. Um, um, Bill Burr, I love him as Bill a comedian. Burr. He's one of my favorites. So great to see him be a smartass and also, right. like, man a blaster and drive, like, a, a fucking truck of space nitro through the jungle. Right. Um, Richard Iowat, is that how you say his name? From fucking IT Crowd. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Playing a droid. He has the perfect droid voice. Yes, well, that, he does. That episode so, had some yeah. pretty great, great, I mean, Bill Burr, yes. but also Clancy Brown was... Yes. Big fan of Clancy Brown. Who is he? I mean, just I'm, he was I'm a, Clancy Brown is the Kurgan in Highlander. Uh, mm-hmm. He's played some other movie. villains. Uh, so, did you ever see Highlander, Carrie? Long time ago. The big villain in it, the main huge guy. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Clancy okay. Brown I'm, is the dude with like face. the red horns, who's very yeah. tall. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, you know, we've also got Nick Nolte. We've Nick got... Nolte, yes, his voice. Oh, Nick Nolte. A... Uh, Tamura. 
Tamara Morrison coming back to be to be Boba Fett. Yes, um, Ming Na Wen from um from Agents of Shield. I love her. Yep. Um. Oh my God, there's so many people. Who am I? I think I feel like I'm leaving somebody out. Taika, I think Taika Watiti had some did some voice work for some. Uh, of the, Taika um, was for the Taika droids. did the voice of IG Eleven. He was the assassin droid, and yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah. I love, I love it when like so. Me and my roommate wa- binge season one, and we kind of had a guessing game of like which actor voiced who. And I think he actually got every he actually got every droid and like and character on the money. And I only got like, I think I only got Taika, <laughs> but he was like, "That's Nick Nolte playing that character," and I'm like, "Nick Nolte doesn't do Star Wars. What are you? <gasps> what? Yeah, right." <laughs> and then and I also. And I also just sorry, I just want to say one more thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm geeking out. I love that season ten, episode two. I mean, sorry, episode season two, episode ten was like an all woman badass like vigilante squad. I was like, yeah, that was the hottest shit. That was the, the hottest shit ever. The lady like, my Mandal- space boner was going all over the place. Sorry, I said that, but <laughs> it was it was glorious. The ladies of Mandalore kicking ass and taking oh, names. Uh, Katie fucking... Sackoff as Bo-Katan, yes. like perfect casting. Yes, yes. Perfect casting for that role. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, yep. Though, here's the thing, is that Bo-Katan was around during the Clone Wars, so I want to know what the hell kind of moisturizer she's using. Because, because <laughs> yeah. no, no, Bo-Katan first appears in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Cool. She is she is older than Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> space, space age don't crack, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah. But uh, and then and then lastly, because I, I want to give Barrett a chance to speak. But um, yes. lastly, Carrie, have you seen the technology they've used for the sets? Um, Tristan, I'm a filmmaker. I I I, I drooled all the special features over that of season two, of season one. I am in awe of the fact that they were able to just green screen whole backgrounds and make it look as real as possible. Well, no, it's not it's not a green screen. No, I know it's not a green screen. It's whatever whatever it's, they did. Whatever it's, super. It's I, these huge displays. It. Yes. D- yeah. These huge LED, like, fully circular displays. It's as yeah. close to a fucking holodeck as we can get right now. Yeah. Um, I was also kind of had my... I had my mind blown by the idea that, like... Because... Okay, so, like, I don't know, Bear, I, I'll, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not sure how familiar you are with camera lenses. Um, no, enlighten me. They're, so, basically, like, if I were to film a close-up of you with, like, a 24mm shot, like, you'd probably kind of have more sort of a fisheye look like you're like you know maybe your nose and your mouth are people were, like lenses are basically there to either flatten your face or kind of stretch it out of, i guess that's sort of the layman the layman term for it um and obviously different lenses are used you know on movies to like have close-ups and wide shots and like you know depending on right. what lens you're using is kind of deter- determining how the visual is going to look right because you've got you've got yeah a- angle of view depth of field yeah. focus light absorption yes etc um also but the, th- the weird thing is, is that, so, taking that into account, when you're filming on a real set with a lens, you're obviously going to get what you're going to get in terms of, like, depth of field and, and all that. But when you're filming a digital background... Yeah! How do you... How exactly... You have to, like... <laughs> like, that that's a whole other ball game where you have to actually, like, adapt the background and the depth of field and the light aperture and For all that to, like, fit, to fit the lens. Yes, and the they lens. actually have a technology... Where you can take a lens and you have to adapt, and, and, and they have a technology where you can adapt the the depth of field and all that shit 
to the lens being used to film the scene. And if you were to like, let's say, take a lens and do like, uh, you know, put the camera on, let's say, a track and have a um, having a moving shot going around the character, <laughs> then you have to take into account that the background has to change too. But that's digitally recreated, like in or, the volume. So or, or Carrie, yeah. Carrie, yes, total mind freak. Or they could just leave the camera stationary. Yes. And just have the background spin. Yes. Yes. Because they could do that too. You don't have to go to a set. You don't have to go to Tunisia and just like drive out for two hours and set up lights and worry that the fucking wind storms are going to blow over your sets, which is what happened on Star Wars. Yep. They could do it in a studio <laughs> at ILM. Like, and probably get it done on time and on schedule. And, and it looks flawless. Yes, I, I would never, I never would have known that oh. you know they shot the whole like the the all the backgrounds are digital. It, yeah. it blows my mind, and I'm kind of I'm kind of freaking <laughs> out about it. Bless you. I'm kind of also concerned that it might change the way we look at filmmaking in the next ten years, but I don't know. We'll see. Also, I just want to interject. Werner Herzog is the villain, best fucking villain ever. Oh yeah, best voice ever. Excellent choice there. Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. <laughs> If if Werner Herzog did a documentary on, on just any of the Star Wars universe, you'd bet your ass I'd watch that shit all day. Um, Werner so Herzog for the voice yeah, so, of every yes. Sith holocron. So I will say that in terms <laughs> yeah. of things that I enjoyed, I love the matte paintings in the credits. That made yes! me watch every yes. single cred scenes. And I think that's, you know, speaking of like old oh, school yeah. 1990s, 1980s, yeah. yes. the Star Wars stuff. Um, the matte yes. paintings and yes. seeing the concepts... And uh, how they then got interpreted later, uh, that was that was quite that that was quite that was quite cool. Yes. Um, so Wonderful yeah, I, I also appreciated that once again you also got um, uh, I think it was Timothy Oliphant playing a sheriff again. Oh yeah, is, he's awesome. I mean, you know, the guy was in Deadwood and he was in Justified, and yep. he plays a fantastic sheriff. <laughs> yeah, so and you think he's sweet. gonna be. You think he's going to be duplicitous, and he turns up being a great guy and badass. Oh, no. The second I saw him, I knew he was going to be a white hat good dude. Like, that's who Timothy Oliphant plays. Like, he's a... He, he, he plays white hat cowboys, and it was like, oh, this is a white hat cowboy. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I... Yeah, I didn't yes, know. That was... Yes. So, yes. so yeah, that was... Uh, that, that was... That was... Uh, that was quite... That was quite enjoyable. Um, but, yeah. No, it's... Uh, I will say that... Uh, well, let's talk about that ending because. Oh, see, and Bear, what, what's her? Bear, what? I just want to. I just want to interject one more thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. The music of the whole series, ah, oh, best music. And, well, it's the, a, and this, it reminds me a lot of the old samurai films too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and also just the fact that you have like a fucking thirty-year-old composer, or like who's basically trying to fill the shoes of John Williams. Yeah. The fact that he pulled it off, is it feels like a miracle, honestly. But I mean. Well, I mean, I guess since we're not focusing on like the mytho the Jedi mythology or like the adventure right. story and all that, I think it's a, it's a completely different genre. But I mean, that music, I mean, the music has to be good because it's Star Wars. Mm -hmm. You can't you can't fuck that shit up. No. And I and it's honestly one of the best. I hum I hum the theme to Mandalorian like every time it's it's playing. Like it's the music and the credits and everything that you oh, just yeah. mentioned, Bear. Like oh god, and it's it, so good. And, yeah. and it's it's simplicity really works for it yeah you know it's not a big orchestral triumphant thing it's it's a small simple like tune with a little bit of accompaniment a lot of wind instruments 
Yeah. You know, which really helps her pull that. Lots of like indigenous instruments, I think. There's there's a yeah. lot there's a lot of instruments that Ludwig is like is uh lacing together in post. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. oh, now, god, yeah. Now before we talk about the ending. Yep. Before we talk about the ending, uh let's just take a quick little break. Have a little yeah. musical interlude, uh and get a chance to get some water. I'm kind of parched because I've been doing a lot of talking. And when we come back, Barrow, we'll have you kick it off. Sounds good. You right. don't need a drink of water. So we'll be right back, <laughs> folks. Okay. Tristan didn't fall for my Jedi mind tricks. got our water we've rehydrated because we've been doing a lot of talking very quickly (laughs) but now it's time to bring up and discuss the big thing right the big thing and the terms of the ending of it uh i unfortunately was spoiled by twitter that luke was coming back um i thankfully avoided it i tried to avoid it it literally just showed up in my fucking timeline on Twitter, it was unfortunate. I, um, I was very lucky to be watching the episodes as they came out. So yeah. I'm, 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 I'm doing that now as a policy because I don't trust anyone on the internet. Yeah, yeah. no, for sure. But um, so I knew he was coming. Uh, and you know the, the the Luke tearing through the dark troopers was was pretty was pretty cool. Um, and yeah. you know this, I I appreciated uh, you know the guy for Breaking Bad being the villain. Oh, Giancarlo Esposito. Giancarlo mm-hmm. Esposito oh, is a phenomenal. is a is a great is is a great villain. Phenomenal uh, character actor. Yep. But uh, you know the thing that like I wasn't crazy about towards that ending was is that, and it's interesting. It kind of like fills into the thing that's from old canon, where Obi Wan tells Luke to uh, be the better ver- uh, uh, to be the uh, to don't be the old thing, don't be 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 something new, and that. Up until this point, everything we've seen from Luke in this canon, but I would even argue even like from what I know from the old canon, is is that Luke is very much not about the repressed Jedi bullshit of mm-hmm. like, oh, you need to like control yourself for for tra- you know in a in an unhealthy, not attached to your emotions way, and we're you're, we're gonna I'm going to trade young children and all this other shit. And then, in this, it wasn't, like, a full-on, like, I'm going to kidnap five-year-olds from their mother situation by any means, but he still took away a child from his loving father figure because of power reasons. And that, to me, just seemed a lot, quite a bit of a betrayal of, like, Luke's character, because that's, that's not how Luke approaches it, and also, like, for me, what is in, what, what was, um interesting about Luke Skywalker is someone who's supposed to go beyond what the Jedi Temple did, which is like, you know, the prequels were, uh, were messes of films and I hated them when they came out and I don't think I'll ever truly like them, but I've seen some analysis of them recently, which is 
made me come around to the idea that there were a lot of good ideas in the prequels. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Which were totally some... executed terribly. Yes. Oh, yes. With the exception the, the prequels... of, uh, you know, three. Ewan McGregor. Well, 3 was basically death by beheading as opposed to crucifixion, but Ewan McGregor is a delight. <laughs> Ewan McGregor oh, is absolutely. a del- is a delight. He would have, yes. I glad he's gonna get his chance to be in a proper Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their main lesson of it was is that yeah. the Jedi suck. Like, yeah. like you know the Sith as at least when you see the Sith. Um, in I'm not terribly familiar with the with all the background stuff, but at least when you yeah. see the Sith in the prequels, you know their leader is trying to take over the fucking galaxy. But the Jedi are like, you know, they kidnap children, or or at least, you know, they, they take children away from their mothers. They're 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 re- they're repressed. They prop up a social order that is not ideal. Um, yeah, they're not I, something hey, to guys, imitate. And I didn't hey guys, like seeing Luke what? imitating any even uh, even that even slightly. That just like it felt, it it it, it felt kind of unseemly, so to speak. Just just so a reminder. Just yeah. a reminder that the Jedi allowed slavery under the Republic. But I thought now, slavery was banned under the Republic. Anakin was a slave, so was his mother. But she, but Padme was saying that like it's banned in the Republic, and they were like, oh, but those laws don't apply on Tatooine. It's it's more of the it's more of. Tatooine is part of the Republic. It's more of they just don't want to bother enforcing them all the way out here. Right. It's also, fucked up that they left his mother I, in slavery. Yeah. There's so many. There's a bit. There's such a big galaxy. Like, was is it is it sort of like the Jedi are supposed to be like guarding, or I mean, the guard, guardians of the galaxy. I'm assuming, but well, but here, here's the other thing. Here's right. the other thing too is to remember that um, there are like in the Star Wars universe, there are hundreds of thousands of planets. There are not hundreds of thousands of Jedi. Right, yeah. It is entirely possible that a planet could go hundreds of years yeah. without a Jedi ever stepping foot on it. I, I would believe that that more like, you know, some like corruption just happened to fall through the cracks and, you know, you only have so much, so many Jedi and <laughs> so much galaxy to guard. Um, right. I mean, I think yeah. that the for me the the issue with the Jedi being terrible. I said that they they are a perfect enforcement thing. It's more that like their general way they deal with the 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 way they deal with emotions and attachments. The way they deal with children. Um, do do they actually take away the children? I thought I thought it was a choice so, for the children either trying to be Jedi or not. If they so have like the, the before, force in so, them. so I'm not it's sure. Still, t- it's still like they don't kidnap them per se. But they make it so you take a five-year-old away from their kid, for their mother, and then never see them again. So, if the five-year-old I, likes it, right? So I mean, I'm it's still it's still a fucked-up thing to do. So um, I'm not well, sure. traumatizing for the child, I guess. But I mean, I guess it depends. Yeah, I mean, they, they could so, want to be a Jedi Knight and be like, "I'll see you later." You can't consent to anything like that when you're five. It's not a healthy person who's taken <laughs> away in that situation. It's Star Wars. So, so I'm not this. sure. <laughs> What the old, what the canon is now that Star Wars has that Disney has cleared it. In the old canon, it was that when you were born on a planet, you know, with decent medical facilities, you had a whole bunch of tests run on you immediately after, you know, to make sure you 
didn't have any allergies to Bacta, you know, or to or to uh, immunotherapies or um, anti antibiotics, what have you. Mm-hmm. One of those tests was to also determine um, M count, basically, mm-hmm. is what it was under that to bring them back. <laughs> if you had a if a child was born with a high M count, they were sort of flagged in the system and would be followed up with to see if they had, at like age four, to see if they had manifested any force powers. If they did, the parents would be offered the choice of sending the kid to the to the Jedi Temple to see if they could train. In the old canon, not everyone who goes to the temple becomes a Jedi Knight. Okay. There are plenty of washouts. There are plenty of people who, who like, manifest very minor Force abilities and will never become a full-fledged Jedi. There are some who manifest single Force abilities. Like, like you could grow up and be like, hey, I can naturally heal people with the Force. But that is my only talent. So I'm so, yeah. I'm not going to become a full fledged Jedi Knight. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go become a fucking doctor. After the Jedi teach me how to best use my Force healing, and so then go from there. Ever, sorry. So was Force healing ever a thing in like any of the movies? Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, not not in any of the movies. Well, Grogu Force heals. Grogu, Grogu, yes, 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 yeah. correct. Yeah. Right. Um, but it has been a canon power for a very long time. Uh, not every Jedi manifests every ability. Um, in in the old, so I was mentioning the character Horn uh, from the old canon. Uh, Horn is a Jedi in the old canon who basically cannot use Force kinesis. Oh, he cannot move things with the Force. That sucks. No one in his family can. Like it is a long running just just this family line has no talent for force kinesis. It's just it's just not part of their wheelhouse. But they are very good at mind tricks and illusions. Mm. Like mm. like there, there's a scene where he's trying to lift a rock and he's putting everything he has into trying to lift this rock and every other student is there watching like is he finally going to do it and he's putting everything he has into trying to move this rock and the rock raises up. Everyone's like, yes, he did it! And then Luke kind of just, like, shakes his head a little bit and goes, oh, well, that's interesting. And was like, what do you mean? <laughs> Look again. He wasn't able to lift the rock, but he was able to mind trick. He put so much effort into lifting the rock and so much p- pure effort into it that he mind tricked everyone else, including Luke, into thinking he levitated the rock. That would be a, a scary Sith Lord I wouldn't want to fuck with if they joined the dark side and they had the power to, like, create Jedi mirages. And that's why it's really important that that, that if anyone has even the most he- sense of a Force ability, you're like, hey, these guys should probably get at least a little training. Yeah. For the safety of the galaxy, uh, you're yeah. coming with us. <laughs> So, say goodbye to your parents and join us. <laughs> and then six years later, well, I don't know. you got force healing. That's cool. We have a whole program for people who want to become doctors. 
and you could become an amazing doctor, like an amazing surgeon, being able to heal people and cure maladies, not only through actual medicine, but also through the Force. Wow. That was I never okay. really, um... I... I sorry, or, or, can I say something, or did you want to mm -hmm. do another thing? We were good. Thing? So, I, I guess going back to the, the conclusion of um, Season 2, I... Oh, man, I don't even know where to start with this. I, <laughs> it's just weird to see Luke as a, as a, as a visual effect, and that kind of alone yeah. took me out of the moment like it, entirely. It was and kind I also, of rough. like, it was it was like, I didn't really. I mean, I didn't really get a sense of like you know the old the old school ways of like the Jedi where Luke had, sort of had to be detached from everybody when I saw him. But it was like, it, I don't know. Like, there's just so much going through my mind of like you know I like the scene, but I don't know if it's necessary. Like. It's a, it's a cool scene, but like, you know, you're kind of piggybacking off of the legendary the, the legendary status of, of Star Wars instead of kind of creating creating its own thing within the show of the Mandalorian, and that was like you know a little underwhelming for me to watch. As cool as it is, like I didn't hate it, but it was it didn't do it for me. And hey, for all we know, for all we know, Grogu may wash out of Luke's training. Yeah, yeah, there's, and, there's a lot and that And then not be there to be murdered by Adam Driver. So, uh, what I think... Uh, that, headache. So, what I think uh. is, for me, interesting is that, like, one, I would have preferred, with Luke showing up, that, like, then Mando had gone with him to be there while while Grogu trained. That seemed yeah. would seem to be more in line with, like, you know, the, yeah. way, but the way Jedi have been trained in the post-Empire era, where it's, like, yeah. essentially, you know, Ren, Ren, nothing bad happened with Rey or Luke being around people and being adults and having attachments when, when training. Yeah. Um, so, like, that to me, so there would, be, there's no reason then why having, having Mando around wouldn't, wouldn't be an issue, wouldn't be an issue on the face of it. Um, but even aside from that, the fact that Baby Yoda's gone means that now all this is just going to be political bullshit around this dark saber shit, which, I mean, on the one hand is interesting, but on the other hand, like, it sort of makes me feel like I have to go and watch the Clone Wars, and I also kind of feel a bit conflicted about the Clone Wars being folded into canon, simply because I've seen episodes of it, I should probably watch more of it, etc., but... I just feel like folding in Rebels and Clone Wars into Star Wars is a lot because those are television shows for children, which is fine, but they oftentimes, you know, operate by, like, rules of, like, you know, survivability and non-lethality, which to me, like, just is it, which Star Wars is, oftentimes has, is quite lethal and is oftentimes like a war. So it's, it's odd to me that, like, you know, it's 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 as if like you you merged Avatar with Mortal Kombat. <laughs> no, I mean oh, just God. in terms of like you yeah. know like oh yeah. Avatar is canon and so is Mortal Kombat. And again, Avatar did a good job of transitioning from Avatar to Korra in, or in terms of like ratcheting things up, etc. But it is it's just a little it's it's a little odd that like though that things with like such different audiences are in the, are within the same canon. And again, that's not shitting yeah. on on Rebels or, which I've heard is great, and it's not shitting on Clone Wars, it's just yeah. when you tie those things in totally different into the same canon, that makes it 
it's it, the, the I I I question that, but regardless of which, so, you know, yeah. there's probably braiding braid turn offing which will make it enjoyable. Right. It's just that yeah. the long and short of it is that like I would prefer Baby Yoda to Mando having like you know angry fights with Katie Sackoff over the dark saber. Although right. having right. to so look Barrow. at Katie Sackoff for a season, mwah, continue. All right, so so Barrow. yeah, so. I'm going to take this opportunity yeah. to talk really briefly about Clone Wars, Rebels, and the Darksaber. Yes. Just so you Go know what it. you need to know. So, for those of you who are listening, there will be minor spoilers ahead for for Clone Wars and Rebels. That will... Okay. Should, should I be... Mis- so, <laughs> should I be so the like Darksaber... So, the Darksaber and... Um, it, people, feel free contact us correct us if i'm wrong about this uh so the dark saber was created by the first mandalorian jedi and there have only been a handful of those um and it is a the sort of symbol of power for the ruling family of mandalore traditionally in order to gain ownership of the dark saber you had to best its current wielder in combat in in Clone Wars, Bo-Katan gets the Darksaber by means other than earning it in combat. So, so three guesses as to why she's not the ruler of Mandalore in Mandalorian and why she refuses to take it from Mando. Because she already got it once without earning it. And I'm guessing no one accepted it. Um, yeah. Now, on that note, if we go by the proper rules of of ownership for the Darksaber, then the current heir to the throne of Mandalore, the king of Mandalore, by rights, is Lando Calrissian. Say what? Mm. Yeah. Dirt? So. So, Darth Maul, who actually survives Episode One, what through sheer hate? Jesus Christ! I uh, no, 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 no. There, there's a scene in Clone Wars. <laughs> I'm so, too old for so, this no, shit, guys. You, you, no, no. You want to know why you should watch Clone Wars? There's a scene in Clone Wars I'm, I'm where he it. murders his way through an entire Venator battleship. He literally murders an entire battleship's worth of Maul. clone troopers. Maul does? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's metal as fuck. Um, okay. okay. So, Maul earns the Darksaber by right of combat. He then loses it, and it gets to Bo-Katan through means other than trial by combat. What that means is that Maul, at that point, is still technically the proper owner of the Darksaber. So, Maul has the saber. Obi-Wan kills Maul. Vader kills Obi-Wan. Palpatine kills Vader. The Death Star Reactor Corps kills Palpatine. Lando blows up the second Death Star. Therefore, by, by right of combat... Lando Calrissian is the rightful king of Mandalore. So wait, you don't have to actually fight someone through a sword. You can actually blow up 
a spaceship with you, a sword inside. You just in order have to, to like beat them in a trial by combat. I don't think uh, an inanimate you can't object, assassinate them. I don't think an yeah. inanimate object could actually count as as a combatant. <laughs> I think I, yeah, I yeah, think I Darth Vader killed the Emperor and then died, thus leaving the throne vacant. Can you destroy the fucking sword? Of course, any sword can, can be destroyed. Yeah, just it's, throw it. It's, it's a lightsaber. The only throw thing... it to the fucking volcano planet from Episode Three. It'd be done with so, that. So the, the fires in thing... Mount Doom. But, yes. So the That's only it. thing about <laughs> nice. the dark saber that is technically like unique about it um, is that unlike most sabers, wh- whom which form a sort of bond with their owner, like like the, the a lightsaber has always been more than just a weapon. Yeah. It has also been connected to mm. the Jedi who crafts it. Yep. The only thing sort of unique about the dark saber is that the dark saber doesn't care. The Darksaber doesn't want to bond with anybody. Yeah. You don't have to form a special connection with it. The, the Darksaber was created by a Mandalorian. How long has the, the Darksaber been around in relation to like, like the Star Wars? Thousands universe? of years. Okay. It is it is a relic. Um, okay. it was old even when the old republic happened. Those games. There's just Which so is much also Star why Wars that I, I have, I'm having trouble keeping up this point. So yeah, yeah. Again, that's why I said like I can understand why Disney would reset the canon. It makes me sad, but I understand it. It's like one of those things where I feel like I think I think it's safe to assume that Star Wars is like the biggest movie franchise in history. It is the and biggest there's... intellectual property in history. Yes, and I think the fact that like there's so much, I mean. There's so much like encompassing the trilogies alone. It's that, it's almost you know, like there's there's people writing it, rewriting it, and creating their own visions of it. That the whole canon and rules of the of the galaxy have been like forever altered and like twisted inside out in the right ways and ups and, the and downs canon, and all that. And the canon has been reset more than once. Yes, um, the canon was very was reset actually right before uh, Return of the Jedi. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, because they were like, "Oh wait, if Luke and Leia are gonna be brother and sister, there's a whole lot of books we have to invalidate." <laughs> Lucas, you fucked up. Well, no, not not written by Lucas. Written by, oh, yeah. written by you know other authors to like expand the expand that. Oh. Okay. Um, but I was like. Yeah, we get we really got to reset canon, guys. If this is going to be a, an actual thing, because there are some things in the books that are like, yeah, we really can't have a brother and sister flirting this hard, in the books. <laughs> um, can I can I just confess something really quickly? Of course. I really like the music from the from the remastered uh, version of Return of the Jedi instead of the original music from the end of. Jedi. Oh, the celebration song. Yes. Yeah. I I I, I actually prefer the Yub Nub song. I. I, the what? The Yub Nub song, the last, uh, the the, oh, the, the original music. Yub Nub. See, when I wrote it was actually more catchy when you did a bear, so I will salute you on that. Well, well, don't fire me too much. But the reason is that, like, the Star Wars I grew up on 
was that before the remastered came out, the first time I saw Star Wars was on USA Network when they showed it, and so my parents taped Return of the Jedi uh, on USA, and we I had a tape of it with old 1990s commercials. So whenever nice. I was like sick, my go-to was to watch Return of the Jedi with 1990s commercials. And you yeah. best believe they had the motherfucking Yub Dub song at the end of it. Yep, yep. I grew up with VHS copies of the THX remastered version. So that That's was awesome. the, that was the one where they had gone in and like cleaned up the old footage, but hadn't done the full remaster. That's cool. My uh, my first exposure was obviously the 1997 re-release version, which I still like, by the way. I have yet to see the original original versions though. Well, I remember uh, that's the first time I saw the movie Star Wars was in the re-release in theaters, mm-hmm. and that was pretty cool. I, I enjoyed it. Yep. Oh yeah. Carrie, you should try and find. Of my life. You should try and find the. Uh, I believe they're called the D. Lucas edition. Yeah. Where can I find these? Or the D. Mastered edition, I think they're called. So what's the um, D. Mastered edition? So, basically, it is a fan project where fans have gone in and painstakingly uh, painstakingly cleaned up, fixed, and upscaled the original versions. So, basically, it's like they upped the graphics on, like, the ships and stuff, but they... No. No. They went in from, like, the original, like, VHS, like, 640x480 and remastered the original footage... To be a higher resolution. Oh, nice! Wow, yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> um, Can you believe that there's uh, deleted scenes of uh, the original Star Wars on YouTube? Yep. Which are like kind of painful to watch, but also fascinating just to see what got cut out. Because Th- there's a few where it's like, yeah. okay, that's why they got cut out. I'm glad they pushed back. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dude, I'm glad if like those scenes were in the movie, like it would be the worst movie of all time. Oh, like, God. honest to God. Well, um, I apparently Star Wars was saved in the edit by Lucas' yes, ex wife. Oh, oh yeah, there's a great oh, video yeah. on like how Yeah, I think it's called the how Star Wars was saved in the edit. Was that did you see that movie that YouTube video? I didn't, but I think I've seen it seen it like on my list. It's I've seen that thing like fifteen times. It's like the best yep. editing video ever. I am very glad that it's they so put good. back in the scene before the Battle of Yavin where Luke beats up with Biggs again. Oh yeah, that was nice. That was not in the original cut i'm so glad they put it back in because it really kind of drives it helps drive home like biggs had way more speaking lines in the original and it really kind of drives home that that my you know that his death in new hope is really gets that much more impact of just yeah it really got to me too yeah I know we're going off on tangents, but I love that we're right. just talking about Star Wars all around. Like, I mean, this is the, exactly what I was hoping for. It's the way, that, to come it's the, way the podcast works, my friend. We this start on way. something, we go on it. Um, but, this you know, I, I think we, we, we've spoken a lot about The Mandalorian. Uh, is there anything else that we want to speak about this before we uh, before we call this fine cast? Well, so so um, I do... I, I, I do just want to say, just getting back to the ending, I absolutely loved the ending. Like, I got super emotional. It, when I saw the X-Wing show up, I was like, okay, maybe this is Luke. Maybe it's Kyle Katarn because we brought back the Dark Troopers and Dark Forces. But, but maybe it's, and then, and then I saw the lightsaber. And 
I was like, it, it that that scene when I heard that they were doing stuff after Return of from after Return of the Jedi. That was what I had hoped for. Was that moment, was seeing Luke as a Jedi at the, like in his prime. Hmm. It was the it it, it it and it perfectly encapsulated the '90s Star Wars tone and aesthetic of, and I just I was. I don't have words with excitement. I what? was like silently screaming. I was just yeah. like, and, and like seeing him just like take apart the dark troopers and like, like when he force crushes one and it's just like, yes, this. Yeah. It, and, and then, and then seeing young Luke, like I was, I was prepared for it to be like old Mark Hamill. And then seeing young Luke was just like, it was it was like the cherry on top, just the book. And yes, it was rough. It was extremely rough. It was extremely I, rough. I gave it a pass because Mandalorian is such a great show that I was like, okay, right. I'll allow this. And they were working with, with show budget, not movie budget. And yeah. Time. Yeah. And at least it was Mark Hamill doing the voice. Oh really? Yeah. Mark what? Hamill did the voiceover. That's insane. Well, they, I guess it's not. I'm not surprised since Mark Hamill is a brilliant voice actor. Yep. So um, it wasn't. So it wasn't Mark on set. Right. Of course. It wasn't Mark on set. They needed someone younger for the face to match. Yeah. <clears throat> properly. Yeah. Yes. Um, and and because well, and Disney's done a lot with this de aging stuff. Uh, before, like with uh, Tron Legacy, Guardians of the Galaxy two. Um, this, you could tell yeah, this wasn't this hadn't had the same amount of time in the oven, you know, the, in no, the rendering oven not. as those did. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Yeah. I mean, I still, I still think any any time I see those visual effects, I um, I kind of die a little inside. I think seeing Peter Cushing like in Rogue One as a visual effect gave the Hammer Horror geek in me like really bad, just like chronic. Mm-hmm. hatred where i'm like you can't replicate the legendary peter cushing stop a trying to bring effect. people back from the dead the the fact that like they found an, a voice actor that almost sounded exactly like peter cushing from 1977 is kind of amazing yeah but it was just like i mean i just hated it i hated it but yeah so but, but but just in that moment and just seeing like young luke again and him like recruiting another new jedi was just like, yes, this is 90s Star Wars. This is say, what I grew up with. When you say 90s Star Wars, what do you mean? So specifically, uh, the media and stories we got from Star Wars through games and books and comics, basically from, from after Return of the Jedi up until the remasters in Episode 1. Okay. Wow. I haven't read any of that, but I'm kind of I'm fascinated a little bit more now that you're bringing it up. So, so Carrie, my recommendation for a good place to start is the Thrawn trilogy by Timothy Zahn. I think I have a bookmarked on Amazon, but let me check. 
Um, I'll check later, actually. They are... <laughs> we might have had this discussion prior we, we, to the I'm pretty the, sure we've had cast. this discussion before. But that is, like, like if you want, like, sort of, like, the cream of the crop, that's where to start. Like, they are, you like, just universally, like, this is, like, the best Star Wars fiction yeah. in book form that existed during that time. Yeah, and Thrawn okay. plays and Thrawn plays a huge part in that, and you will be and that'll give you a real taste for just how much of a threat Thrawn is. Okay. Um, now, can I ask a, can I ask a question, or did you were you going to add something? Go go. Um, and Bera, this is for you too. Uh, I I see you're muted, but if you're, I'll, I'll ask and you can answer whenever. So we haven't really covered Boba Fett. Um, yes. I I have I'm I'm ambivalent toward this because on the one hand I know he's like a terrible he's he's morally not the best human being ever but on the uh, on the other hand he is a badass so to see him return I was I don't know I was a little ambivalent about it like the fact that he was a good guy kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit but it was kind of cool to see him after the fact I mean this, this, this kind of, like, leads to a larger discussion, which I always said I think we can cover in, like, you know, five minutes of, like, you know, where, you know, would you give Boba Fett a second chance even though he froze Han Solo and gave him to the Empire? Or, you know, because, I mean, Mando had a different journey in himself. Like, he almost does the same thing, but he redeems himself on his own accord, and Boba Fett doesn't really do that. So, I don't know. Because well, here's the thing, is that the fandom has an almost irrational love of Boba Fett. Oh, I, yeah, and I has, understand that completely. Yes. And has for like 45 years. <laughs> um, I am a fan of the fact that he is a badass and a, whore, and a, a bad motherfucker. Yep. And um, he's getting his own show. Oh, really? Yes. It's called There's The an, Book of Boba Fett. Oh, that's right. That's yes. right. <laughs> and he, yes. Where he, okay. he returns to Jabba's palace and <laughs> <laughs> afterwards is like, yes, this is my throne now. Revenge is sweet. <laughs> yep. Um, so, so we may get, I, I think there's still quite a bit, uh, more we're going to get of Boba Fett. And it's going to be yes. interesting okay. to see just how he, uh, how they cast it, what light they cast him in for that. Now that you kind of mentioned that, like, I am curious to see where that story is going to go and how it, mm-hmm. uh, what, what Boba Fett's journey, what Boba, Boba Fett's journey will look like from when he got tossed into the Sarlacc pit to obviously getting out somehow and oh we know how we got out i i actually don't know oh no they they actually explained it in the mandalorian when he goes back to tatooine and they have to fight the crate dragon to help they team up the tuscans oh so he had explosives or something or no so so boba fett falls into the sarlacc pit the sarlacc slowly keeps you keeps you alive and slowly digests you over a thousand years yes yes the crate dragon (laughs) ate the sarlacc oh Oh, so boba fett's in the sarlacc being slowly digested over the course of a thousand years and the crate dragon comes up and just eats and and kills and eats the sarlacc and boba fett escapes in that probably tearing a hole in the sarlacc where boba could escape yeah oh that's how he got out now that sounds like a fucking awesome scene which i really want to see in the book of boba I, I hope gonna... that's how they start it. Oh god, they have to. There's no I hope other way that's they how they start, start that shit. They have to start it that way, or else it's not. I'm not gonna watch it. Hmm. Hmm. Sarlacc, or it didn't happen. That's my motto. 
sucked. <laughs> well, and at least um, it's better than how he got out of the Sarlacc pit in the old canon. Oh my god, what the... Okay. They sh- huh. He shot his way through the wall. No. In the old canon, he's rescued by another bounty hunter. Mm. And it's like, and for really no good reason... It's kind of like, there, there, there really isn't, like, a good character reason why this other bounty hunter would save Boba Fett. Hmm. So. They're changing the canon so much, I just, I'm just, I'm just getting a headache from, mm-hmm. they're, they're, I'm, I'm yeah, so, preaching so, so the there's, choir, there's, still. there's Legends, which is all the stuff from before Disney took over. Right. You know what's funny? I'm just kind of going off on tangents. John Favreau must be making huge bank right now, not oh, only yeah. from like revamping Star Wars, but also kind of kickstarting the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And now he's probably Mickey Mouse's like, you know. I mean, he's 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 he's, he's Disney's bitch, or I don't know. He makes a, a lot of word. money. He has a lot of money, and he's 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 living the high life. I mean, I love John Favreau, so I I love I love what he I love his work and what he's doing. And if only they had put him in in command of the helm from the beginning. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Because remember, cause, so so, the prequels were a great idea executed terribly. The sequels are a terrible idea idea executed. Eh? The prequels give me, give me Star Wars nostalgia. Like, it has the touch of George Lucas and, like, for lack of, I mean... Of, I mean At least they great. tried. Yeah, I mean, they, they had I mean, ideas. Uh, yes, you can you can obviously go back and forth for hours about why the prequels suck and also why they're awesome. The 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 concise version being bad dialogue and bad casting, I think. Um, I, but I, I, I mean, bad I directing, I think, is the main. Bad thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's, that's, that's what I'm. I've heard at. that like, Hayden Christensen. Apparently, Hayden Christensen is a decent enough actor. We know Natalie Portman's a fantastic actress. Yeah. Ewan McGregor Portman. rogues above it, but like, I mean, yeah. fucking. Don't forget. Yeah. Liam Neeson well, was Portman, kind of neutral. Don't forget. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Samuel well, Jackson, too. Like, he's a badass. Well, Natalie Portman, Natalie Portman works really well when she has other good actors around her that she can, like, connect with. Yeah. Which is, I think, part of what hap- happened really in, in prequels. Uh, I, I, actually... I wonder if Lucas, if he if had a better director directed Christensen, if like Christensen would have been like a better Anakin. So, uh, so here's actually, I've actually come around a little bit, and I've actually found kind of a newfound appreciation for Hayden Christensen as Anakin. Because here's the thing, you have to remember that Hayden Christensen is playing Anakin, who was taken from his family at six year, taken from his mom at six years old, thrown into an order six. of warrior monks, told he was special, and then, like cut off every opportunity he had while being told emotions are bad. I mean, yeah, I I understand you can't can't repress your emotions, but I mean, a good actor can, like, make you feel the emotions underneath the repression. And I don't know if Christensen did that well. Not so much repressing the emotions, but just, like, Anakin would be very emotionally underdeveloped. I, yeah, I guess. I mean, but also I've also found a newfound appreciation for Christensen as a like physical and emotive actor, like 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 posturing and body language and stuff. His like posturing and body language in the prequels is amazing. Oh yeah, he's got the physicality of a Jedi. That's that's well. No, that's no, I'm sure. not talking about like the action stuff, but just like like 
bearing and and like bearing and stands and just like 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 the, the acting through body acting through through your body not just your face and your voice no yeah yeah exactly like, like that he all... is awesome at yeah uh, there's there's something to be said about like a physicality behind the character and sort of what their i guess what their motivation is i'm kind of getting into directing ter- filmmaker directing territory when i say all this but mm-hmm. i i do like his presence to an extent you know it's obviously the woulda coulda shoulda situation on like right what lucas could have done but like i also just wanted to say because like i and i think trista we talked about this too i think the reason why the prequels to me i think they work better than the than seven eight nine because the touch of lucas comes from the fact that like star wars is like a family it's for children it's for everybody and lucas kind of else makes it very clear that there's sort of a like there's that fairy tale element but there's also the fact that um i think when he wrote star wars he was talking about how there was a parallel to the Vietnam War and that you had sort of like this big system or maybe it was maybe it was the government I'm not sure but you have this evil system that was like corrupting you know everything in its path and you have like rebels who are like fighting for fighting for their lives and fighting for their rights um now I didn't grow up in the 70s so I don't know what the climate was but it seems like there was reflections of that in Star Wars but there was like a definitive line of good and evil which permeates through you know the original trilogy as well as the prequels and like in 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 lucas's hands he does a great job of kind of capturing that spirit Mm -hmm. um which is why i like i I like the prequels on that extent yeah um like i said i never say to a girl you know your hands are so smooth after talking about how sand is rough that probably is not what i would do on a date and i I wouldn't follow that (laughs) the sand line is not flirting the sand line is just i fucking hate sand it's Here's gross. why I it's hate gritty. my life. I grew up on a desert planet. It gets <laughs> fucking everywhere. Everything after that just, is the flirting. Yeah, Anakin Skywalker on a Tinder page would probably be like, you know, I hate sand. It's coarse and rough. Not like your hands, which are soft and smooth. <sighs> my anyway. turn-ons include killing Jedi children, uh, turn-offs, the Rebel Alliance, um... Quick, help me with this joke. Um, <laughs> turn-ons include glaring with menacing eyes, feeling emo all the time, um, and yeah, liking you and McGregor better than me. <laughs> Anywho, oh Anywho. my god, we could go into so many tangents. That, that's what I love about I love about Mandalorian. We can like come together and talk about how great Star Wars is, even though there's like its ups and downs. Yep. We also um, we also didn't talk about Ahsoka Tano at all. Um, yeah. Oh god, there's so Ahsoka much to cover T- in one pot in one oh cast. Well, Ahsoka Tano, the Star Wars character, who everyone hated when she first came out, then had the like biggest redemption arc ever, and became absolutely beloved by the fandom to the point where they brought her back. They. They straight up kill her off in Rebels. Oh, yeah. And they brought and her back. And then decide. And then decide. Okay, okay. No, no. Too many people really like this character, and I kind of want to use her in Mandalorian. So in Rebels, we're going to introduce time travel and only use it once to bring this character back from the dead. Is this Rosario Dawson's character? Yeah. Okay. 
I see. I didn't know any of that. Like when I watched, it. I just I, I just kind of came in seeing like, oh, she's a badass. You know, what's her story? So she is Anakin's student. Oh shit! Uh, she is Anakin's <laughs> Padawan. Damn. Uh, okay. who okay. is framed for murder, and ends up leaving the Jedi when they basically don't stand up for her. Like her name gets cleared, but she's like, "You all were ready to throw me to the wolves, so fuck you guys." I'm going to go do my own thing. Yes. Uh, Which is why Anakin never gets the rank of master. Damn. Okay. So to be, so to be, so to gain the rank of master, you have to train your Padawan up to the rank of a knight. Wow. So. Okay. Or you have to train at least one Padawan to the point where they become a full-fledged Jedi. That's what earns you the rank of master. It doesn't necessarily earn you a place on the council, but that's what what earns you that rank Anakin never gets the rank because his Padawan <laughs> leaves the order uh, and in Rebels spoilers for Rebels uh, I'm gonna meet you. Vader, mur- <laughs> Vader murders her so but uh but wait a second okay, um, in uh in, in what was it it was uh but in in the original Star Wars Vader says that like when you bet me I was just a student now I am the master and then Obi-Wan's like only a master of evil Darth so did Darth Vader ever trade a student or was that he just named himself as a master similarly like Luke so was considered so- a master but I don't know if any of his students got to be night level before they were murdered Maybe so, Grogu so Luke, did. Maybe so Luke, we're going to be Grogu Knights, which is probably what's going to happen. That's probably so the Luke, next franchise. So Luke <laughs> is a master by virtue of being the only one left. Mm. And having to teach everybody and throwing out the old rules. For the time um, being. Vader did have apprentices in the old canon. Not sure if he technically has any in the new ones. Um, spoilers, none of them meet a very good fate. As is the case with most Sith. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so Katana, the character that came out and people hated and then redeemed herself to the point where they had to bring her back from the dead. I really like that episode. It was, it was cool. Nice. Yeah. I don't nice. know what else to say. I mean, like, it was just kind of a cool... I mean... Oh, there's just so much I love about the show. There's so much to talk about. Yeah. Um, hopefully, I, hopefully there will be a season three, and we can reconvene for season three. Yes. May I may I interject one more time and say I have there's some things I'd like to see in season three, but I don't know if they're going to do. Yes. All right. Here. Carrie. Carrie. Yeah. Then Barra. Then me. What would what do we hope for in season three of The Mandalorian? Um. There's only really one. I'm, okay, so I'll, I'll just start off. I'll just start off with my 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 crazy answer. So I would love to see Mando's backstory about being raised by the Mandalorians and just mm-hmm. going through like you know every the stages of his life of the training and like where he went to and then when he became a bounty hunter. Just just like past life shit would be really cool to see. Um, obviously, I hope Mando and uh, Baby Yoda reunite. I mean, they have to because if they don't, it's not the show. Right. Um. I don't know what else. There's there's so there's so much to cover, but that's that's my main two things. Vera, what do you hope for in season three of Mando? I hope for general just like more consistency in terms of plotage, and 
I do want to see Thrawn come in in a big way, and I want him to do, done well. Uh, I think that uh, he, everything I've heard about folks in, from folks in terms of Thrawn as a villain makes me excited to see him on the big screen. Yes. And I'd like to see just like a really solid, consistent arc for the Mandalorian with more of Pedro Pascal's face and uh, Thrawn <laughs> yes. being clearly in there. I know, because I mean, without his, his face, he's a really expressive, great actor. Show what would be better if we saw more of his face. What about you, Tris? So, so really quick, I yeah, I want to see Thrawn too. I want to see him done really well. Uh, there are right now a whole bunch of rumors flying around as to who's going to play, who would play Thrawn in Mandalorian. Um, the two, the two biggest ones that I've heard of are c- casting uh, Lars Mikkelsen for him. Uh, hmm. Because oh, you mean Mads Lars- Mikkelsen? Mads, Mads Mikkelsen? Lars Mikkelsen. Who's Lars Mikkelsen? Uh, uh, Lars Mikkelsen is uh, the original voice actor for Thrawn in oh. Rebels. Cool. Um, so there's, there's a rumor here there that they'll cast the original voice actor so that that stays, like, the same. Uh, there's a rumor that they're looking at getting Robert Downey Jr. to be Thrawn. Whoa. And I'm just like... Okay. I'm like, I'd love to see him. I think, I think he could do an interesting job, especially as an older Thrawn. I'm not sure he'd be... I'm not sure uh, they can afford him for a series. I mean, he worked with Jon Favreau and their buds, so... Right. I be... don't see why he wouldn't do it. I don't know. Right? Um, that would be an interesting casting choice. I'd love to see Danny play a villain. Casting choice. I think, uh, yeah, he could do that. So I'd like to see I'd love to see Thrawn. I want to I'd like to see big plot stuff, but I also want there to still be the little like vignette episodes. Because yeah. because that's something that that Mandalorian is in kind of a unique position to do, is to tell these little sort of one-offs. Though I suspect they may be saving uh, the Book of Boba Fett for those. Nice. Um, oh, oh. Um, may may I say something, or were you? Yeah, yeah, still? yeah. Um. Okay. This is a filmmaker. I'm just gonna go filmmaker on this one. So, ideally, like I had, a, I was thinking about like if they were to hire any director in the world to direct the next few episodes of Mandalorian. Let's say you had the power to to, to grant any director you want to direct an episode of the Mandalorian. Who mm-hmm. who would you choose? I'll give you my I'll give you my 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 uh. All right, my let's, uh, let's say our pick. my dream team. Let's, okay, okay, um, I can think of one right off the top of my head. So, um, Steven Spielberg is one, of course. Um, Ron Howard, mm-hmm. Bong Joon Ho. Ooh, that would yeah. be a crazy episode. I, 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 just, I would geek out over that shit. Like Bong Joon Ho would be great. Oh, can um, you imagine if he did like an old an episode or something from the Old Republic? Oh god! So you could actually have oh. like Jedi and stuff. Oh god, yeah. Oh, honestly, like you could like, uh, you could direct like, you could direct. Like, I I just I would love to see. I just love to see that. Like just you could you could hire any Korean th- horror thriller director to direct Star Wars. That'd be all all up for it. But Bong Joon Ho be would be one. Um, maybe Denny Villeneuve. I like his work. He's very dark, but would be an interest. I don't know. I'd I I'd, I'd be interested to see what he'd do. Um, Martin Scorsese, 
I'm kidding, but that would be cool to see him direct something. <laughs> um, there's probably a bunch of others I can I have, think of. I Favreau, have two. Favreau would be cool. Um, I have two. Okay. Um, so, for the first, it would, it would have to be for, like, kind of a wacky, fun, like, side movie. Kind of like what Solo was kind of supposed to be. Sure. Uh, and that's Edgar Wright. Oh! Yes. That'd be great. Yes. That would That'll be, be great. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yes. Absolutely. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Why didn't they get, like, Edgar Wright to direct Solo? That seems like... It's like a buddy movie, you know? But uh, I have issues with Solo, but I'd like I did to see too. Edgar Wright do it. Yeah. But I think Edgar Wright could have done a really fun job with it. Uh, yeah. And the second one would, of course, have to be Kurosawa. Oh, so so we're getting into directors if they were alive today. Yeah, like if, oh. hey, you said if you could have, if you had the wish to have like <laughs> one director. So I'm going, I'm going old school. I'm going, nah, man. Let's get like a black and white. <laughs> let's get a black and white episode of Mandalorian directed by Kurosawa, let's, reanimated from the dead. Let's just get the the guy who just pretty much inspired everything in cinema. That's amazing. Yeah. To do it. Let's just get to see Mafuni to play a Jedi while we're at it. Yes! Um Jedi Mafuni, yes! Cause he was did you guys know he was the original casting choice for Obi-Wan? Yeah. Before Yeah. I don't know I don't know what happened, but I mean just to see him play a Jedi would be great. Um Okay, Tris, Hitchcock. Ooh. <laughs> I I'm not sure how well that would work. But it would be interesting as fuck to watch. They would they would have to tutor him in like using the volume and visual effects, but <laughs> I don't see why you couldn't do it. I don't know. <laughs> Kubrick, let's throw in Kubrick. I, I don't know if I could say that'd be cool to see, but <laughs> oh oh god, Star Wars, <laughs> Star Wars Episode Ten, a Quentin Tarantino flick. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Why don't we just Why don't we just hire Michael Bay while we're at it? I mean, I'm all down for Bay him. Oh my god! I, I I don't get me started on Bay. I could like go. I could go. I could break down like what I liked and disliked about him. But well, well I mean, John Woo <laughs> well, would be very interesting. Oh, dude, Barry, you're my hero. John Woo would be. Oh, or he'd or, be excellent. Uh, but he, in any case, be, uh, if we we should listen back to this list. Uh, when the new season comes out. Yep. Uh, Can you imagine John Woo doing, like, an intergalactic battle where shit's in slow motion and lights? And all of a sudden, doves! Doves and, like... (laughs) What are those, what are those, what are those winged creatures in Empire inside of the worm? Minox. Minox. Just, just slow motion Minox flying all over, like, the space church or whatever. (laughs) Uh, Oh, God, dude. What about, uh, what about Takashi Miike? Oh boy! Oh, maybe yeah. Okay, I mean, I mean, maybe like, like if they if we did the Sith if we did like Sith Lord backs if we did Sith Lord vignettes backs, that'd be cool. I don't vignettes, know. Vignettes or like what? Okay, if we were gonna give Takashi Miike a Star Wars story <laughs> to do, <laughs> oh shit! Like like what would he what would he best work at? I would have to. I honestly, I would give him like a gangster film. You know what? He'd be interesting to do the Boba Fett uh, book. Mm. Yeah, Park Chan Wook is someone who I uh, who, yes. who I'm always interested in seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The Handmaiden is is such a good movie. Oh, yeah, I get I get sweat when I think about that movie. 
And they keep... I don't know if you I don't know if you, I don't know if you want to keep that part in the podcast, but I mean if you if you've seen the movie folks, you'll know what me and Bear are inferring to. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. It's 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 a good movie. There's there's some scenes. It there. is a it uh, is a very it is a good movie. Uh, but yeah, uh, is there anything else we want to talk about about Mando before we uh, we call it off? Oh, the... I really liked. Um, oh, Tristan, you go first. Oh, uh, the last thing I want to see at some point in the future, just 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 to warm my wrinkled, shriveled up old walnut of a heart, is Luke teaching. Yeah. Like, that was going through my head too. Like, yeah, like that a cool. group of students. Even if it's just a little moment, I just, I just, I just, I want to see him actually being a teacher and guiding people through the force, like, like, and, and giving it his all. I just, I just, I just want to see that. That would be cool to see. Oh. I could see that as its own show, or even I, I like that idea. A lot. I okay. If we were going to have our own show, what I want to see is I want to see a buddy sitcom with Luke and Wedge Antilles renting an apartment on Coruscant and getting into <laughs> wacky hijinks. So like a, a Laverne and Shirley version of uh, <laughs> yeah. <from> Star Wars. <laughs> one and a half Jedi. Jeez. Oh god, that'd be funny. <laughs> I think one wow. and a half Jedi is where we should call it. <laughs> Tristan, yeah. I think that's a, that's, a, that's a solid funny or, or die idea. Um, whether or not Lucas or Favreau would go oh, for God, it, I'm not no, sure. that'd never fly. Um, can I can I can I interject with something really quickly? Yeah. Okay, whether or not you decide to using the edit is fine. I don't care, but I just wanted to say, oh, we'll I keep really, all of this. huh? We're using we'll all, keep of it. all of this. Oh, cool. Okay, so <laughs> I really liked in season two, and I'm I'm actually just I'm I'm being um where I'm at right now. Um, I think it's episode fifteen. Um, it's the episode with Bill Burr when they're trying to, um, drive that space mm-hmm. nitro or whatever through the jungle to, like, their location, like, as sort of, like, a way to kind of infiltrate the base. Um, I don't know, just a really cool, just a really cool thing I, I, I love to see, because that was actually a, um, I believe an homage to a French movie called The Wages of Fear, where it's about two guys driving a truckload of nitro, um, through this... Mm-hmm desert to a location in order to get paid and just to see it in star wars yeah is really fucking cool there, there was a i think um, there's a western remake of that oh uh, oh yeah the source the sorcerer with the sorcerer, Shire. Yes. Yes, so yes, you yes. want to hear so, so here's an interesting bit of trivia so sorcerer well first of all, so sorcerer is obviously the remake but instead it's like four of like the craziest anti-hero baddies motherfuckers you'll ever meet trying to like <laughs> trying to drive some nitro through the South American jungle. Um, Around a volcano. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that movie was directed by William Friedkin, who did The Exorcist and French Connection. And it was set to release in 1977, but I think because of... I don't know if it was just poor marketing or whatever, and the fact that it was released around the same week as a little indie film called Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> it got completely annihilated at the box office and I think fell into obscurity. Yep. Um, until the advent of DVDs, but if you if you ever want to check out the film, it's you know it's it's a masterpiece. And like I, I mean I just love that like Star Wars is is referencing so many movies. And you know I got I got a shout out to Zatuichi the Blind Swordsman because like there's a lot of that going on in the, oh, yeah. uh, the series as well. And just I mean just oh, God, I love the show so much. It's actually my favorite show on television. I mean you can like you can make an argument about story consistency and narrative consistency and whatnot, but you know, 
if I could direct any show, any episode for any show, I directed for the Mandalorian. Well, you know, it's a Star Wars. Everyone wants to direct yeah. a Star Wars. Yes, but it's also my dream too. No, no, it's definitely <laughs> legitimate. Hey, hey, Werner Herzog directing an episode. That would be interesting. <laughs> a few too and many extras would die. And narrating it. It would literally be narration and like close-ups of space iguanas in the desert and mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even know. Klaus Kinski being reanimated into a character and going oh. batshit crazy. Um, we, we haven't brought up John Carpenter. Oh. Oh, he'd be good. He'd be good. The, best, the great one. He'd be perfect. He'd be good. Oh, he'd yeah. be great. Perfect. Uh, oh, you, you know what I would give him? I would give him the movie adaptation of the book Death Troopers, which is... Never heard of it. It's it is Star Wars zombies. And okay. it is it is it, it's gruesome and terrifying as a book. And is only somewhat brought down by the addition of Han and Chewie. Uh which is kinda of like, oh, so we know these two are gonna survive. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, give him give him that body horror goodness and let him let him do go full thing with Star Wars. <laughs> With zombies. Full yeah. thing. I love that. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, well been this has been excellent. This has been a very fun two hours, six minutes, <laughs> and 29 seconds. 30 seconds. Th- 31. Um, but, yeah, I love you guys, and uh, this is a great talk, and, you know, there's so much to talk about how much we love the show. Um, so, yeah. so, Carrie. Yes. If people think you're super interesting, which they should, where yes. can they find your stuff? Okay, so <laughs> if you've survived this two-hour podcast <laughs> and have gotten this far, or if you skip to the end, um, you can find me on Instagram. So I have three Instagram accounts. You don't have to join all of them, but I'll give you the I'll give you the rundown. So um, I'm a filmmaker. I make movies. I make web series. I'm working one right now. I'm working on one right now. Um, you can find me at uh, Carrie V Productions on Instagram. Um, that's K-E-R-E-Y-V as in Victor, um, and then productions. Um, I have a personal account, but my life's not interesting. I just paint and put it on. <laughs> so Carrie V is my, my second Instagram. And then I have a Carrie V photography. If you'd like to see some photos and, uh, maybe hire me for any sort of projects, or if you just want to go out and hike and take photos, I'm your guy. And, uh, you know, within health regulations, of course. Uh, <laughs> and, um, Yeah. That's all I got on my end. Barra, where can people find your stuff? Well, I'm a reporter at the beautiful Daily Hampshire Gazette newspaper, so definitely take a look at my work and uh, support uh, support the paper and also uh, the ongoing work of its uh, efforts of its union, uh, the Pioneer Valley News Guild, of which I am its unit council president. So uh, you can find that at Daily Hampshire Gazette um, uh, at uh, gazettenet.com and uh, also... Um, in terms of union stuff, you can uh, find it uh, by uh, following the Pioneer Valley News Guild on uh, Facebook and on Twitter. You can find the SpoilerCast yes. on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else you found this episode. Uh, you can also find us at SpoilerMedia.net. Uh, and it, you can find every episode of the SpoilerCast there, as well as some of our articles and links to other things. I sometimes rarely kind of should do more of uh, 
streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the underscore millennialist. Link to that is also on the Spoiler Media homepage. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we want to bid a fond farewell to our two listeners in a Ypsilanti, Michigan, far, far away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. All right. Have a good one, y'all. I will see you all very soon. Lovely cast. May the force be with you both. The world is high.